WHHHFM Indianapolis. It's time to take a look at what's going on in and around Indy. It's Open Lines, your eye on the community on High 96.3. Hold up. Good morning, Indianapolis, and thank you for tuning in to Open Line Show here on 106.7 WTLC and Hot 96.3. Um, Ebony Chappelle here alongside. Good morning, Indianapolis. It's Cameron Moto. How's everybody feeling today? Feeling pretty good. Um, it's a little bit rainy, but you know what? We are blessed. We're here. We're live. We're ready to get started. That's right. We had a lot <laughs> planned on the show today. We'll start this hour talking with Senator Harris. Yes. This morning we are going to be talking with um, Representative Earl Harris Jr. He represents District 2 um, and he is the vice chair of the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus. They have made some recommendations to the governor for things that uh, need to be done to help protect the black community. Because as you all have heard and as we've talked about on the show already, Black people are disproportionately being impacted by the coronavirus all over the country, and Indiana is no um, exception to that. So, yeah. And along with that, uh, it's time to get those census papers going, and it's also time uh, to figure out how voting is going to look this year. It's going to look very different from uh, any years that we've seen in the past. Is it safe to go voting? One of the ways to get around the whole, is it safe? Can I catch coronavirus by going to the voting booth? is to just do it by mail. And some of you have already received your absentee ballot application. We'll be talking with the clerk of Marion County, Myla Eldridge, coming up at 8.30 to tell you what it is you need to know to get one of those applications and how this is going to work as we should be getting ready for a primary this week. Uh, It's not going to happen. So uh, (laughs) things are going to look a lot different. We'll talk to her about what that picture uh, looks like coming up this morning at 830. But right now, let's get you caught up on what is happening this morning in the news. Indiana now has 14,395 confirmed cases of coronavirus. The latest numbers released yesterday show 718 new cases and 44 new deaths, bringing the statewide death toll to 785. 18% of the coronavirus tests in Indiana are coming back positive. Indianapolis health officials are opening three more coronavirus testing sites in Marion County, specifically in black neighborhoods as black Hoosiers have been disproportionately affected by coronavirus. Over the next month, the Marion County Health Department will open three testing sites with the first opening at Eastern Star Church near the intersection of 30th Street and Arlington Avenue. Dr. Virginia Kane says the 46218 zip code is the hardest hit hotspot in Marion County. The test will be appointment only, but 100% free. And the forecast, Sunday starts off wet. When we do dry off, we will hit a high of 62 degrees. Tomorrow, much drier with only a 10% chance of rain and a high of 65. Right now, it is 42 degrees in Indy. Thank you so much for the news, Cam. Right now, we are going to be talking with Representative Earl Harris, Jr., Vice Chair of the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus. Representative Harris, how are you? I am good. How are you this morning? Doing really good. Thank you for being here with us. Um, So give us a little bit of background on what it's looking like in your community, what's being done um, right now as far as uh, taking care of people during the coronavirus is concerned. Sure. You know, there's a lot going on, obviously, in my area as well as everywhere else. Um, you know, there, there's there been some help provided by the state. I know in Maryville and Gary recently, there were some uh, testing set up opportunities here. And, you know, one of the unfortunate things, um, we are outside of Marion County in Indianapolis, where you are located. We have the second highest numbers in the state. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, this is a case of being number two is not the best thing in the world. Um, and so we're looking at how we can really educate and help make sure that people are aware of how to be safe and how to protect not only themselves, but their families, their loved ones, and their communities. Um, so that's a big thing for us 
here as I'm sure it is everywhere else. Absolutely. Representative Harris, uh, there in Lake County, your House District 2, you are uh, literally a rock's throw away from the um, uh, Illinois state line, the city of Chicago, and the Illinois suburbs. Um, I'm from the region, Michigan City. My grandmother is there in East Chicago, in your district. I've got family up there. And all of that really runs together. There's Uh, there's a spot where you come across the Illinois border right into Hammond and you would not know that you left uh, the state because it all runs together and coronavirus moves just like that. It does not stop there at the uh, state line. So what are your guys' concerns about being that Chicago is a hotspot, how much and how easy it is to really be part of Chicago's hotspot and you're seeing that in the county, you've become your own when you look at the Indiana numbers. You know, you bring up a great point. One of the things we, you know, we noticed here before Corona is if you go to our gas stations, you go to our grocery stores, because things are less expensive on this side of the state line, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of Illinois cars. So we like that part because they're bringing the finances over. But you add the Corona part in, you're correct. I mean, it really Mm -hmm. does. You can literally stand in the street and have one foot in Illinois and one foot in Indiana. This is where that negative part is, is that a lot of those people are coming over, they infected, may not know they are, and bringing it across the state line. So that's something that, you know, is a factor for us, and I'm sure that contributes to the fact that we have the second highest numbers in the state. Indeed. Representative Harris, um, last week on the show, we had Dr. Virginia Kane on and we talked about what's being done or what needed to be done um, to protect the black community because we are being disproportionately impacted all over the state um, due to this virus and across the country as well. Um, I mentioned that you all had penned a letter with several recommendations in it about what needed to be done. We saw here in Marion County that we are opening up testing sites in those hotspot areas um, where we have predominantly black uh, residents. But have you all gotten a a formal response uh, from the governor or from any other high-ranking official in the state about them actually implementing these recommendations? There there have been some things that have happened. You know, the governor gives his uh, daily updates Monday through Friday, and he mentioned the letter and working with the Black Caucus um, as I mentioned earlier, there was some testing that was done here in Gary that was provided by the state. Uh, there's been some, you know, uh, some things here and there, but really not a comprehensive um, reaction. You know, there, there's the acknowledgement of the numbers that has been talked about. I, I believe I've heard Dr. Box talk about that, talk about that in the updates. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the thing that we really would love to see, which has not happened yet, is the first recommendation in the letter, which is the Health, Health Disparity Task Force. Um, That's something that we would really like to see because that gets to the heart of having African-American health providers, groups, you know, legislators, members of the community that are really on the front line in black communities being a part of a group that can have and address the issues. Yeah. And talk to us a little bit more about that health disparity task force. I see on here that you guys have a date of June 30th, 2020 um, for this to be implemented. But talk a little bit more about exactly what it is you would like to see done. Well, we really want to see a group of people that are completely connected to the black community. I mean, that you know, you look at the numbers as you addressed. Um, Indiana has about a little bit less than 10 percent of the, the population is black. African-American, but when you look at the numbers, about 20% of the people that have been infected or have died are from the African-American community. So we want to have people that know what's going on in the African-American community to be involved in this. You know, part of it you have to look at is culture. Different cultures deal with different things in different ways. That's just a reality. And you look at some of the disparity issues, some of the systemic race issues with the black community that's been part of the black community, the mistrust of medical, lack of health insurance, those things need to be addressed when you talk about um, having African Americans be treated better in terms of the coronavirus. I mean, even in the sense of how a lot of African Americans have reported being treated when going to see a doctor, you know, a condescending talk or or lack of belief 
of what's going on and that they really do have health issues. Yeah, and it has a direct impact on the type of care they receive. I'm a certified community health worker, and this is something that I've run into a lot is people feeling like, uh, not even feeling like, but the facts are that they just don't receive the type of treatment that they really should based on some of those factors you mentioned. Yeah, we, we actually, one of the things the Black Caucus does every session is we meet with the leaders in the state. So uh, clearly we had a meeting with the governor, and one of the things, and it was uh, Representative Summers was the main person that talked about this because she has a, a maternal health um, a caucus that she has started, is just that, is the lack of, sufficient treatment and sort of the, well, you don't really have an issue. And there's a story she tells of a mother who had a, I believe when she, uh, she was, uh, gave birth was nicked and would complained about having pain and different issues. And I think if I remember the story correctly, she said the hus- her husband ended up taking her to another hospital, mm. another doctor, because she was just sent home. Well, it turned out she was nicked and she was bleeding internally. And by the time they found out, I believe it was too late. Wow. And it's things like that. You know, if you're complaining, if you're bleeding, if you have that much pain, the medical people need to pay attention to you. I mean, that's obviously that's a clear situation of life and death. We are on the air this morning with State Representative Earl Harris, Jr. of Indiana House District 2 of Lake County, part of the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus, uh, talking about their efforts to get uh, some additional resources and uh, more attention to the disparities that are happening inside of Indiana's black communities. 317-239-9696. If you've got a question or comment uh, for the representative, uh, you can uh, get that in uh, as well. Bring that uh, comment directly to him and he can send it on to uh, the folks who uh, are making some of those changes and some of the changes that we've seen here as I talked about in the news at the top of the hour is uh, the uh, additional testing sites that are now popping up across Marion County. Uh, there will be three. The first one is, is already uh, getting ready to roll there at Eastern Star Church on the city's east side. The 46218 zip code is the hardest hit in our area. Uh, Representative, uh, when it comes to the black community and these disparities, besides population, Indianapolis, 12th largest city in the country, uh, Lake County, one of the highest populations of African Americans in the country, uh, Gary, one of the blackest cities in the country. Besides population, what are some of the factors that you guys are finding uh, that is contributing to why uh, black people are being so disproportionately affected? Uh, And I I ask that because Governor Cuomo of New York had talked about how many uh, black people, and and really in his state, people of color, when you bring in Latinos, are essential workers who are working at the grocery stores, who are driving the buses that are still taking people to and from work. These people are really the ones on the front lines of the essential world beyond the hospitals. Yeah, and that is so true. I mean, you're talking about economics and you're talking about people that, you know, work at grocery stores, work at gas stations, people that are not making necessarily high income, maybe not have the insurance coverage, and they're in a situation where they can't take a day off. Um, and they're there with the public every day. And so whatever, you know, the public brings in, <laughs> you're, you're exposed to it. So those are factors in this, you know. You look at, um, and, you know, and, and I've had this conversation. I was, I was getting groceries, actually, uh, last week. And I was in Strachan Van Tails here in East Chicago. They put up some protective measures and a border, you know, a plexiglass border between uh, you and the, and the cashier. And so we were just kind of having a conversation as she was checking out, as she was checking out my uh, uh, groceries. And I said, one of the things I said to her is, my hope is, if there's one thing that comes positive out of this, is really a realignment of what we call essential workers and a respect, and hopefully pay, because these are people that are putting their lives on the line every day and not getting the type of pay they deserve for risking their lives, um, considering what we have going on. And, and just the economics of it, just you know, low pay, low wage, not having ins- the opportunity to take vacation, those are huge factors in this contributing to the African-American and the minority community as a whole. 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696 on the air this morning with State Representative Earl Harris, Jr. of the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus. Uh, State Rep, what happens now? Um, we've got that the the expanded testing. That's really been a Marion County thing with Dr. Virginia Kane and our mayor helping to expand that. But on your guys's level, at the state level, in the House, what happens next? 
You know, we uh, we need to have some conversation in terms of a response to what we provided to the governor. Um, I know there have been some other reach outs. Um, I know in terms of what's going on with the prison population and juvenile detention centers, because that's another health issue. Um, you know, we're having a lot of conversations. I mean, I, I've never, you know, the whole Zoom and conference call thing, we've been meeting uh, virtually with different groups and organizations in terms of figuring out what we can do to help with the community. You know, we also have looked at and discussed and, and in terms of how we as the Black Caucus need to put out media pieces. Uh, we just put out um, a video recently because one of the things we are wondering about as we talk about this is when you see people talk about this, you don't necessarily see a lot of black or brown faces. And so we thought as the Black Caucus, we can put out some media pieces to help uh, the black community understand the importance of di social distancing, stay at home, only go out when you need to in terms of food and medicine, just to try to slow the spread of what's going on in the community. So what exactly are you asking of the governor right now? Well, again, the, the task force is really the biggest thing. I mean, that's what we, really, you know, we haven't necessarily seen a comprehensive um, group of brown people on the state level that are really working on this. The governor has a task force, but the representation and things that we've seen are really not there to address what's going on in the uh, black and minority communities. Again, culture is a part of it. And if you don't know the culture, you don't understand it, you don't know whom to connect with to get people to be serious about this, then it's never going to be a benefit to the black community. And then you also think about who we connect with and who we identify with. I know. Um, being out in the community, running into people, and even, you know, now since we're all stuck inside, seeing the type of things that people post online, people really gravitate toward um, messaging from people that they can connect with on that personal level. So yeah. seeing people that look like them, I mean, it goes a long way to helping push that message further. Um, some of the other things that you all had in your um, letter was the anti-racism training for health workers. We talked about that increased funding for public health, um, mm -hmm. a direct outreach campaign geared toward African-Americans and a living wage um, in PPE for essential workers you mentioned about the um, plexiglass um, kind of cover when you went to the grocery store I've seen that at some grocery stores but others I have not I've not seen it be consistent and even running into workers that have worked you know eight and 80 hour shifts like the lady I ran into at the dollar store the other day um, so it's just not consistent across the board so this is absolutely something that that needs to be paid more attention to yeah, and, you know, one of the other things I want to point out, and I, I said this in one of our conference call things we had as the Black Caucus with um, uh, organizations is, you know, if you if you can't just say, well, this is a, if you don't care about the black community and say, oh, this is just a black people problem, well, guess what? We all live together. We all work together. So if it is affecting the black community and the numbers continue to rise and the minority community and the number of, of uh, the numbers continue to rise, that interaction in public, is going to spread it and help spread it to more people that are not in the minority community. So this is something that everyone should be aware of. If the essential workers are at the gas stations, at the grocery stores, at places like this, if you're a non-minority and you go to those places, which we know you do, you're going to be more likely to catch something from someone. So everyone needs to be concerned about this in the black community. 317-239-9696. That's the number to hop on the open line show this morning. Folks are already doing that. We have some calls standing by. Let's go to line one and see who this caller is. You are live on the air. Caller, what's your name? What's your comment? It's uh, Larry Vaughn. I thought it was Good you. Morning, go ahead. Larry. Good morning. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful or anything, but it really uh, throws me off when I heard one of our state representatives coming on talking about racism and talking about who is being effective when only... In the state of Indiana, there's not a thousand people who have died from this situation. But what is happening is we have closed our school system down. Young, hello. Our, our black children are walking the street on 10th Street and look around. They are 13, 14-year-old kids out walking the street in groups getting money any way that they can. And he's talking about racism. Listen. Well, we hold on, Larry. Shared. Hold on. You you call in every week and then you hang up. So let me ask you this: How many people I'm have saying, to? How many people have to die for there to for someone to have to raise their hand and say, "Hold up, we got a problem." 
Well, I know that uh, only 36 people had died when we shut this state down and shut our economy down, and it could have been dealt with in a lot better manner. And for the Black Caucus to come on, knowing the fact how our community is being affected, and then ask for training on how to do better, I mean, this is really a crisis. It's existential, in fact. All right, but, here, but have... here's the question. You're throwing out numbers at me, so I'm throwing numbers back at you. Mm-hmm. How many people have to die for there to be an issue? Uh, listen, there should be weighed out with the economy, but let me tell you, a hundred. You can't have an economy people, if you're no, dead. I can't. Yes, I can. A hundred thirty people die every day in the state of Indiana. Now, uh, what are we going to do about that? All right, we'll keep well, addressing that. You know what? Yeah, that is day. something that will. I feel like we listen every day to things that are being done on a. Uh, grander scale for the general population but when it comes to us specifically to the black community i think it goes without saying that we need um some specific things put in place because we're dying disproportionately we've got more calls at 239-9696 let's see who this is online too caller good morning you're live on the air what's your name what's your comment um this is keisha taylor am i can you hear me yes i can you're live on the air Okay, um, I was actually just calling for my mother, trying to get some information on how to schedule the appointments for the free testing at Eastern Star. She mentioned that she heard it, and she's been mm-hmm. trying to get some more details on that. Okay, um, stand by. Uh, keep listening to the show. I will look that up. But, yeah, that is the instruction is to uh, do an appointment only. Actually, hold on. Let me look and see if I got it right here. Uh, but, yeah, it is 100% free, Eastern Star Church, and... Uh, let's see. You would ask me that. Need to put you on the spot. <laughs> I, no, 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 no. I got it. I know it's somewhere in uh, the one of the three email accounts I have, and all the the numerous notes that are here. Um, if I don't find it right here quickly, I will get it and shout that out over the air. Um, but I'm going to assume the direction is to go to the Marion County Public Health Department website, or you can call the health department at uh, their business hours. You can copy this number down, uh, 317-221-4671. And Cameron, I have a website as well. Okay. Um, so to be tested, applicants need to visit marionhealth.org backslash COVID. And Indy COVID is I-N-D-Y-C-O-V-I-D. And that's how you register for an appointment. So, again, that web address is marionhealth.org backslash Indy COVID. And we will make sure that we um, have that information on our website as well so that you guys can um, check that out anytime. 100 so much. Thank you so much. 100% free, uh, but you do have to make an appointment for folks just tuning in, talking about uh, the additional testing going on inside Marion County. Let's get in one more call, and then I've got one more question uh, for the state representative, and then we will have to go uh, to a commercial break. Caller on, live, on line three. You are live on the air. What's your name? What's your comment? Hey, how you doing this morning, uh, Ebony? Hey, how's it doing, Em? Brother, I'm old Tiff here calling. Good to hear from you. They represent Earl Harris uh, from, my, yeah. from my region, Northwest Indiana. Gary? Yes. Gary area? Yeah, um, I live okay, in Chicago, good, but yeah, Gary, my there? district includes uh, right, part of Gary. Gary. Yeah, this is one of the uh, former uh, residents of Gary, Indiana. Matter of fact, I was taught in, in, in school about the great judge, Frederick Work, the first African-American graduate from Vanderbilt, and Richard Gordon Hatcher and people like that. So we'll throw some okay. libations and praises out to those men who are not with us no more, and women, Katie Hall, too, also. We'll throw her name out there. You're perfectly correct with what you're talking about. I've worked in healthcare as a professional. Larry's not a healthcare professional. I am. Many people in my family are. My, uh, I have a Ph.D. people with Ph.D.s in medicine and everything else. Uh, one of my matter of fact, one of my cousins in Minnesota was uh, the top obstetricianist in in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. Birthed over twenty thousand babies. Writ, wrote many articles. Health disparities in healthcare have been around for a long time. Many studies have done it. Harvard, Yale, University of Chicago. You can point them out. It's, it's good for people to call in. They always want to try to attack people. But the fact is, racism is in the healthcare system. Period. Matter of fact, up that way, and, er- and uh, Representative Harris can attest to this. Many of our people in Gary or in Northwest Indiana believe it is better to go to South Lake Methodist in Maryville to get treatment than to North Lake Methodist. I know this for a fact, and it's the opposite. I've been at South Lake Methodist with my grandmother in the past. She was not treated well at all. Matter of fact, her condition worsened. She got uh, worse, 
And when she went down to North Lake Methodist, she was treated better. Same situation happened with her uncle of mine, who was healed by Dr. Wananu and uh, uh, the various great doctors down at North Lake Methodist in Gary. Uh, there's a problem with perception, even from us, where to go and get care. It used to be that way here with Wisher. Am I right, Karen Ebony? It used to be Back that way. Back in the day, Don't that was a thing. That that was that's a thing. not true. Yeah. yeah, don't go there. You don't want to go there. And that's not true. Yeah. Okay, period. So so he doesn't know what he's talking about. For us that work in it have heard these. We've seen these. I've had to child my own family about having these prejudices uh, about even going to specific facilities. My question to uh, Mr. Harris would be, uh, one of my relatives had to go over to Chicago last week to get testing. Um, it's got to be a testing spot either in Gary or Lake County somewhere, isn't it? Because he took himself to Chicago to get testing, and maybe you can clarify that uh, if it is for the people who may be up there listening, if they're not listening, because he drove all the way to Chicago to get tested last week, and I thought it was a place somewhere in Lake and got thanks for taking my call. Thanks, Ebony and Cameron. Thanks, <laughs> all right, thank you, man. Uh, uh, State Rep, can you answer that real quick? And I got one more for you, and then we got to go to a break. Sure. Yeah, there has been testing up here. I know that the state provided a mobile testing unit, I'm going to say it was maybe a week ago. Um, and so, and I believe that was, uh, unfortunately, that wasn't for everyone. It was set up for, I believe, essential workers that think, that thought that they had corona and wanted to be tested. I mean, the reality is, unfortunately, and I know we keep hearing on those, you know, those White House updates is that anyone and everyone can get tested. It's easy, but that's not the truth. No. I mean, it, it, we, have a, we have a need, and that's one of the things we've been talking about and working on. We have a need to increase that so that anyone and everyone, I mean, the, you also have to look at it as, you can test positive today, you can go to work, you can go to the grocery store, you can do some interaction and catch it the next day. So when you talk about testing, it has to be a continuous thing. My best friend is medical. She's a nurse. And we've, we were actually were talking about this yesterday, is the, just the need for continuous testing because you, don't, you can be positive one day and catch it the next day and not know it and think you're fine and then spread it to your whole family and anyone else you live with or, or interact with. So, Representative, to that point, last question for you. When do we reopen? Uh, I will uh, say that uh, Governor Holcomb has been doing this on a uh, two-week increment, talking about when we will reopen and when uh, he will lighten up on restrictions. But uh, the data that we just got uh, this weekend uh, was some of the highest increase in new cases we were in the 700s on average they come in at about 500 to 600 new cases a day this time we had 718 with the dynamics of gary east chicago hammond portage michigan city all of that being just outside of the chicago hotspot on the illinois border and the continuous number of cases we are seeing here in marion county how do we reopen? What is your guys' recommendation? Is it to do it by region that, hey, we don't open up northwest Indiana until we're going to be on a Chicago schedule. Indianapolis is on its own schedule. Evansville is on a Kentucky schedule. What if, I've heard the governor talk about all those kind of things. What's your guys' recommendation? Well, when you look at reopening, I mean, I'm going to go back to something I believe your, part of your answer to the first gentleman that called in, with all due respect to him. If you don't have people, uh, people you don't have an economy. Mm -hmm. So it can't just be, well, we're just going to open it up and, you know, whatever happens, happens, because if people go away, the economy goes away. So there has to be a true, um, I'm going to use the word inspection for lack of a better term, on the numbers, as you said, are they continuing to grow? If they're continuing to grow, then to me, opening is a bad, opening at, at that point is a bad thing because you're just going to explode the number of people that are in contact. You know, we also have to look at some mandatory things, like I believe Illinois has made it mandatory that if you're out, you have to wear a mask. So if we do open up, maybe we need to look at things like that, put other mm -hmm. safety precautions in place. I understand the economic part, and that's part of what we have recommended is financial help. You know, one of the things I brought up on one of our calls is we're still sitting on a $2 billion plus surplus in the state of Indiana. And I know the governor previously said he was waiting to see what happens at the federal level before he touches on touches that. Well, maybe it's time to look at that mm -hmm. to help out on the financials of people. So um, we as a black caucus don't have a perfect solution. I don't know if anyone has a perfect solution for opening, but I'm just a little leery of us doing it too soon and having this number explode. I, I referenced my best friend who is in Illinois. 
it, it, it exploded over there. I mean, her mm-hmm. numbers, as she was telling me, have just grown exponentially. And yeah, as and you, that's something as we can see. What happens yeah. in Illinois and Chicago area floats over to my part of the state. Yeah. So that, that makes me a little nervous, and we have to do this the correct way or we're just going to cause a bigger issue than we already have. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Representative Harris, for spending time with us this morning and for everything the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus is doing to help protect our community. We appreciate that. Uh, thank you. I appreciate the time and the opportunity to speak with you. All right. Thank you, and stay safe up there. Uh, still to come uh, this too, morning thanks. here on the Open Line Show, uh, the Martin Luther King Center has a new partnership with Indigo, taking people on essential trips, and they're also helping you with mental health as we uh, are stuck in the house now for uh, more than a month. We're in our second month, and a lot of people are already losing their minds. Uh, so we'll talk about how we can get through that. But we will also talk about... Uh, absentee voting and how voting uh, the election is going to look different. It was supposed to be coming up next week, but now it's happening uh, next month in June. And then what's November going to look like with coronavirus? We're going to talk with the woman who is in charge of all of those plans for Marion County. Clerk Myla Eldridge coming up this morning here on the Open Line Show. I'm Cameron Riddle with Ebony Chappelle on Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC. This is the Open Line Show. Let's get back to Open Lines, your eye on the community on Hot 96.3. Hello. Good morning. Let's go. Let's go. Hello. Good morning. Hello. Hi. This is Oshia Boyd, editor of the Indianapolis Recorder newspaper and Indiana Minority Business Magazine. You're listening to Open Lines with Ebony Chappelle and Cameron Riddle. Welcome back. Welcome back to Open Lines here on 106.7 WTLC and Hot 96.3. Um, here for our community spotlight for the week. And this week we are talking with the Martin Luther King Community Center and their um, executive director, Allison Luthi. Allison, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, we are living in some really interesting times, to say the least. How are you holding up and how uh, is the rest of the team holding up right now? Yeah, we're pretty good. We're fortunate. We haven't had to lay anybody off just with different donations and grants that we have and their mental health is good and they are actually grateful to have a place to come and get together. We're delivering food Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So we package in the mornings on those days and no one's allowed in the building. Um, And then we clean and sanitize it every day. So everybody's in pretty good spirits. We're doing our best to take care of each other. Fantastic. That is so good to hear that camaraderie is important right now more than ever. Um, You mentioned about the food that you all are are delivering to people. I understand that you also have a partnership with Indigo. Tell us a little bit about that. We do. So before this all happened, back in October, they announced that they wanted to partner with us. We had submitted a proposal as part of the Ford Mobility Challenge to um, develop a neighborhood rideshare program so that people were being picked up um, by people they knew and trusted and an organization that they trusted. And um, we weren't able to pull that off in time, but we um, started a little early during this pandemic and we are able to deliver um, that food I was talking about. But also if anybody has a prescription um, at their pharmacy that they need to get and either they shouldn't be leaving or they don't feel comfortable leaving, um, we can go and pick that up from them. And so we're using the fleet of minivans that we got from Indigo. We're leasing them from them and they gave us a grant for drivers and um fuel and things like that. And so it's a pilot project. So we're trying to just figure out the best way to keep people at home and take them their groceries and their prescriptions. Yes. You know, that is so essential right now that people stay at home and they stay safe, but that they are also getting the things they need. So great to hear that that service is being offered. Um, I also, you mentioned earlier about the staff, that their mental health is doing well, which is a blessing, but we know that some people in our community are really struggling right now. It's very unsure. You know, there's just a lot going on. Um, Tell us about the mental health services that MLK Center is currently offering. 
Sure. One reason I'm able to say that I know my staff's mental health as well is because we talk about it. And so we're asking each other and checking in on each other and sort of admitting to ourselves that it's stressful um, and that some days we're a little more with it than others. But um, we have always had a partnership with Christian Theological Seminary um, to provide students who do counseling here. And um, one of our favorites graduated, Lee Ivey, and he has continued. Um, a lot of folks know him and he's continued to provide counseling here. And so if folks want to call our front desk, um, 317-923-4581, they can press two and get connected to Lee, transferred to his cell phone, and he can do counseling over the phone um, or via Zoom and see him face-to-face as best as possible and talk with him about what's going on. So maybe, you know, relationships were already strained and now folks are you know, staying home together. Um, maybe folks are missing people that they can't see. They're worried about their finances or they're worried about how they're going to pay their rent or they're worried about their loved ones. You know, we had a woman calling today. Her um, son has substance abuse issues and she can't let him in the house because she doesn't know where he's been. And so she misses him. But lots of different reasons for people to need to reach out for support. And it's OK to do. Um, and Lee is one of the best and he's here to help. That is an amazing, amazing um, option for people that are struggling right now because we all need somebody to talk to. Yes. How often is Lee available? Um, right now, he's available. He has, he has some openings. We're able to pay him with some grant funds, so there's no cost to folks. Um, he has openings. If he gets at capacity, then we will we'll figure that out. We have another student from CTS who's available, so we'll just get her um online as fast as possible. And then we can always connect them to other places that we work with. But right now, um, he makes an appointment based on, you know, his schedule and the caller schedule. So um, they can work something out that works. And what is that phone number again? Yeah, 317-923-4581. And if we don't answer, listen to the message and it tells you what button to push. I think it's number two. Great. Thank you again, Allison, for you are welcome. The, yes, for the incredible work that you're doing in the community and for making yourself available to talk with us this morning. Um, how can people find out more information about the MLK Center? Yeah, the best way right now is to go to the website, mlkcenterindy.org. And right in the middle of the page, it says COVID-19. And so if they click on that, they can sign up for food delivery they can sign up for emergency financial assistance if they live in our neighborhood. If they don't, we can connect them to one of the 12 other community centers that are serving all of Indianapolis. And then they can always call the front desk, 317-923-4581, because we are taking volunteers to help deliver those meals as well. Awesome. Thank you so much to Allison Luthi of the MLK Community Center um, for talking to us about the different services that they are offering people in the community. Uh, we want to say thank you to them. And moving right along, we are now with our Marion County Clerk, Miss Myla Eldridge. How are you doing this morning, Clerk Eldridge? Good morning, Ebony. Good morning. Good morning. So uh, we mentioned earlier in the show that a lot of things are going to be different with election season this time around. Um, we are used to doing this a little bit earlier um, for our primary, but now that is being moved to June. And we also have absentee ballots um, that are in the mail. So walk us through, um, first off, how this absentee ballot um, situation works because I've never done it before and I personally need some help and I know other people might as well. Okay. Um, first of all, let me just begin by saying too that we need to be smart, um, be safe and stay home and vote by mail uh, because we don't want to be, you know, we don't want to make the health crisis worse right under COVID-19. So like you stated earlier, a lot is different due to the virus. So um, we just need to make sure that we're taking safety precautions from spreading uh, the virus. So voting by mail absolutely is uh, an option uh, for voters to uh, vote under the current health crisis. Um, now, I do want to be clear on terminology because a lot of voters get the word application confused with the word ballot, right? Help so us right get now, us together. Okay. So right now, 
we're in the process of issuing, well, uh, applications were mailed to every registered voter. So kudos to the mayor and um, the city county council for uh, doing the right thing, mailing an application, right? You're getting an application to every registered voter. So once the voter receives the application in the mail, then they are to fill out that application and return the application to the election board or mail it to the election board. And then at that time, your application or the voter's application is processed, and then your ballot is mailed to you. So you have to, it's kind of, it's a two-step, two steps to this thing, uh, to this process. So then you fill out your ballot, you put your ballot in a self-addressed prepaid postage envelope, and you mail your ballot back to the election board. So first step is receiving the application, filling it out, returning the application, and we're also sending, also you'll receive uh, an envelope, a self-addressed envelope with uh, paid postage on it um, when you receive your application. So it's two steps, right? Application and then receive your ballot. And there is postage on both of them already, the application and the ballot? Well, the envelopes. That were the sent. envelopes. Okay, the envelopes mm-hmm. have postage on it, so nobody has to worry about stamps or anything like that? Nope. nope All right. Nope. And I would encourage every uh, voter to to vote, vote by mail under the current crisis. You know, just because, um, uh, you know, voting absentee by mail allows Marion County voters, you know, to cast a ballot while protecting their health and safety. Just, you know, for now... Um, it's a, it's a good way that we are promoting, you know, safety for good public health so that the American people are avoiding, right, the, the close social interactions. You know what I mean? Like you would have at satellite voting or on, um, election day, um, which we're still having in-person voting, as well, okay? So not only you can vote by mail, that's your choice, but we're also having by law we're required uh, to have in-person voting. So we will still have um, satellite voting beginning on May the 26th, and we will also have vote centers on Election Day. Now, the number will be reduced uh, because, again, we need to maintain or implement social dis- distancing uh, from one another, uh, but I strongly encourage every voter to utilize those applications and vote by mail and stay home. 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. That's the number to get on the air here on the Open Line Show. Cameron Riddle here with Ebony Chappelle on the air with Marion County Clerk Myla Eldridge. Uh, Clerk Eldridge, it's Cameron. On Friday, I opened my mailbox and I uh, received a ballot. Uh, not, excuse me, a ballot. An application. application. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I received an application. Um, mm-hmm. And so I want you to go back and talk about how that happened because when I uh, opened the envelope, I couldn't remember, did I sign up for this when I did my driver's license? It just appeared. But you, as you, you said, a lot of people may not have realized there was a special process that went forth to make that happen. Absolutely. Um, like I stated, stated earlier, um, thankful and grateful to Mayor Joe Hawk said and our city county council, um, the president of the council, uh, Bob Osley, and um, actually the entire council, we had a, um, not the entire council, a majority of the council voted for uh Marion County voters to receive an absentee application in the mail for this primary election only due to COVID-19. Now, um, we've got a couple of callers who are on the phone standing by. I'm coming to you in just a second. Uh, Clerk, if you don't mind answering a, a couple of questions. This is a different for a lot of people. I've, I've voted in every election that I've been able to vote in, mm-hmm. and I've done it early voting, and I'm one of the people who like to physically go. So I've never voted by mail. So this is going to be different for a lot of people. What, um, I, I guess, what's, what's the, now that I have that application, and I mail that mm-hmm. back. What's the next step? Okay. Um, 
Let me begin by saying I think it's very important for voters to know that voting by mail is safe um, in Marion County. Um, I know voters are concerned. I, I had people call me about, you know, if their ballot will be counted or not. Um, but I'm here to dispel all disbelief in the absentee voting process. And um, I would encourage every voter, when you receive that application, if you decide to vote by mail, to fill that application out as soon as possible and mail it back to the election board so that your application is received and processed and your ballot is mailed to you expeditiously because uh, one uh, issue, or the, the law is actually for voting by mail, that we have to have all the ballots uh, returned by noon on election day so that's yeah so what happens though is once we receive your ballot back that your ballot is stored in a vault at the election board service center it is not touched until election day and that is because marion county is a central counting county for absentee so they have to be counted at a central location. So let me hold so you right once, there, clerk. So what you're saying uh-huh. is if you're going to vote by mail, don't vote by mail and send it on election day. You need to do it before election day. Absolutely. And if you if if time is short, I would even advise you to bring your ballot to the service center by noon on election day. And the service center is located at 3737 East Sherman Drive. Um, so, so you just said two things. If, if if I if if it's election day and I forgot to mail my envelope mm-hmm. the night before or the week before, I can come hand deliver it uh, so it is still counted on election day before noon. Before yes. noon. And We've one other to- thing I think is super important to include here is these uh, applications were mailed to people that are already registered voters. Um, if you are not registered to vote currently you likely did not receive one of those applications. Um, So I wanted to have you talk a little bit about that, Clark, the importance of making sure that you get registered. And um, we know that the deadline is May 4th for the voter registration. Mm -hmm. Um, But how soon after that would somebody receive? Would they receive one of these applications or, or would they not? Would they need to actually ask for one? I would actually call and request an an absentee application if you are a newly registered voter and you um, you registered before we mailed out the applications because more than likely you would not be in that list of folks. And again, even if you are registered and for some reason you moved or you did not receive an application in the mail, I would encourage every voter to contact the election board and request an absentee application because we have been actually receiving applications and processing applications uh, before the mailer went out. Um, So, again, there are options, and I think it's great that we have options for Marion County voters uh, and to encourage everyone, again, to vote by mail. So I do want to, again, share with your listeners that once we receive the ballot back in the mail and it's stored in the vault at the service center um, on election day, those absentee ballots are counted by a bipartisan team. So that's a Republican and a Democrat open those ballots. And then those ballots are counted and fed through the voting machine um, on election day at our service center. Um, so again, I just want to, as much as I possibly can dispel all disbelief, in the process, because it is a, a safe and, and secure process for voters. Um, and under the current uh, health crisis, and we all know that Union County is a hot spot, uh, and we don't want to make um, things worse, we should really, really consider uh, voting by mail. Clark, can I get you to home. hold that thought? You've got several callers here who want to talk to you. Um, just real quickly, sure. if we can make these calls very quick, because we've got five okay. minutes left in the show. So uh, okay. caller on line two, you're live on the air. What's your name? What's your question for the clerk? Go ahead. Hello. Hi. Yes, you're live on the air. What's your name? What's your question? Uh, 
Yes, my name is Irender. I would like to know, so uh, if you get the absentee vote uh, uh, packet and stuff in the mail, uh, on Election Day, are the polls are still going to be open on Election Day in June? Excellent question to the clerk. Yes, ma'am. We will still have in-person voting on Election Day. Now, we will not have as many vote centers that we have had in the, ba- in the past due to the current um, health crisis, but you will be able to go to a vote center on Election Day, June 2nd. So, also, does that mean they are they still going to have uh, people to work the polls to or not? Yes, ma'am. We will, will have we poll workers. We have to. <laughs> because I am a poll worker, mm-hmm. and I was, I'm already registered to work, but I was just wanted to know if they're still going to have the site that I was at and things mm-hmm. like that. We are actually still putting the pieces together and finding out. We're required by statute, I'm going to make this brief, to have at least it's either 22 or 23 vote centers on Election Day. I'm not sure exactly where you work, but what I would suggest you doing if you're interested in working uh, is to contact the election board, and they can um, advise if you have an assignment or not or if one of your or if one of the vote centers is where you have worked at in the past. Well, I worked over at Christmas Addicts, and um, I already talked to them, and I'm already on the board uh, to work, but I just wanted to make sure that are they going to have that site or not, or do I have to prepare myself to go farther out or or what? <laughs> I, will, I will call the election board and confirm. Okay. Okay. Alrighty, thank you for serving. And thank you. Thank you for your call. <laughs> On the air this morning with Marion County Clerk Myla Eldridge. It's been a pleasure having you this morning. Uh, we have 90 seconds left in the show. This is going to be a very different election. We don't even know what November is going to look like. But again, uh, everyone who has registered to vote, you now have a application uh, in your mailbox or it's on the way to the mailbox, check the junk mail uh, so that you can still uh, vote this year, either in person or by mail, which would be safe with the coronavirus pandemic. Marion County Clerk Myla Eldridge, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We greatly appreciate you. Thank you. You guys be safe. You too. You too. And that was so much information that was shared, Cameron. So we will have all of those details on our website. I'm personally going to be voting by mail. I'm an early voter as well, but... The less time I can spend outside of my house, the better right now. (laughs) Well, uh... Again, folks, uh, on that note, we want you to stay safe out there, but we still mm-hmm. want you to do your civic duty and vote. Sure. So Marion County has made it uh, easy for you to just go and uh, go to that mailbox, get that application, send that application uh, off as soon as possible so that you can get your ballot. This is new for all of us. And then when it is time to vote, as soon as you can uh, fill out your ballot, mail it back. Don't wait till the night before or two nights before because if it gets there too late, it will not be counted. We'll continue to stay on top of this as we come closer to Election Day, which is now a little more than a month away. And June would have been coming up this next week, but things have changed. Ebony Chappelle, great show today. Very great show. I want to say thank you so much to Representative Earl Harris. You guys have a great Sunday and a positive week. All right, we'll see you back here next week on the Open Line Show, live at 8. Peace.